Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Well, grace and peace to you from our God and Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, I completed a continuing education course course called Excellence in Leadership. Since I am now a graduate, I can pridefully boast that I am distinguished as truly excellent and a leader and a leader in excellence. And now I lead excellently or something like that. My attempt at humor here is to say that concepts like excellence, bigness, being the best are riddled throughout church circles, just as they are in other aspects of society. For instance, I was surprised to learn that there is a special gathering for senior pastors of the largest churches in the ELCA, as though they are somehow different, um, a higher breed of pastors than the rest of us, if you will. Ideas of megachurches, viral viewership, and TV celebrity are present just as much in ministry as they are in Hollywood. I suppose I fall victim to these human inclinations a little bit too, celebrating Sundays with higher attendance while getting a little bummed out when more people do not attend on other Sundays. At least in the United States, it seems like success and scale go together. Bigger, better, more. All these terms go along with success, while smallness, fewer, and less are words associated with varying degrees of failure. The same is true for many other things in our world. A growing economy is praised while recessions are feared even though we know that one always accompanies the other. We, or at least our politicians in the U.S., have policy priorities to keep our military as strong as possible. We kind of fear the possibility of other countries beating us on the battlefield. Big cars, big houses, big salaries, even tall children are all seen as signs of success while the opposite is often pity. High scores and winning records are praised in our sports. Right, Otto? (laughs) We were watching basketball last night. And these high scores are praised in our sports. Uh, That is, unless we're talking about golf. In golf, my high scores do not seem to earn me any praise. That's weird, you know? Bigger is better, as they say, and our aspirations are often to bigger and better our organizations, our businesses, our lives, our churches, and our situations. I am not immune to the draw of excellence, largesse, and betterment. As I prepare my sermons, I do not aspire to preach poorly and bore people. I'm sure that happens. Sorry, it's occupational hazard is really not my intent. I want to be the best pastor that I can be, and I even aspire to be excellent in my leadership. (laughs) See what I did there? 
I would probably think twice about signing up for a mediocrity and leadership program. I would not be interested in reading a book entitled How to Shrink Your Church and Decrease Your Membership or would have any entire uh, desire to attend a conference entitled How to Lead Your Church into Bankruptcy. These would not be aspirational ideas for me as a pastor. Like others, I work hard and I want to be good at what I do. And sometimes measures of pastoral success involve just as much bigger is better thinking as other aspects of our world. However, our very human draw to notions that bigger is better are often not where God points us through the scriptures. For instance, from almost the moment that the 12 tribes of Israel entered the promised land, they called out for a king to lead them so that they could be strong in the world and organized under centralized leadership against their many enemies in the area. Yet time and again, God spoke to the people through the prophets and judges that they were to rely on the Lord alone as their deliverer. And the king would only force them to work on his projects and take their daughters as his wives against their will, along with all other sorts of problems that monarchs are known for throughout history. In another place we hear in the book of Daniel how a statue of King Nebuchadnezzar was built the people were to worship it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego <clears throat> resisted such worship. The statue ended up falling over as a sign that the emperor was in fact not God. He who would not be humbled in the world was humbled in the Bible. The Tower of Babel is a cautionary tale against people getting enamored with the size and scale of what we can do while Jesus famously preached from the mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Whereas we can often get awestruck by big things, whether they be big castles, big cathedrals, big skyscrapers, big business, big armies, big whatevers, the Bible often cautions us against such things. These conflicting themes are very much present in our first lesson for this week. Samuel was sent to Jesse's house in Bethlehem to anoint a new king from among, among his sons to replace Saul, who was failing in his role as the first king of Israel. Saul is introduced to us in chapter 9 of 1 Samuel with this description. The man whose name was Saul was a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Saul was big and beautiful. He stood out from his countrymen for his height and his fine features. As we soon find out, though, these turned out to be weak foundations on which to establish kingship in the world. After a few victories on the battlefield, Saul built himself a statue, refused to follow the Lord's commands, and disobediently sacrificed a burnt offering that Samuel was supposed to preside over <clears throat> because he was too impatient for the Lord's timing. 
His bigness led to pride, and his pride led to his downfall. By contrast, we hear that Samuel was sent to Bethlehem to seek out a different kind of king. Saul was introduced as a big and beautiful man, but we hear of Samuel being commanded to anoint a different kind of king out of the house of Jesse. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Profound. The fact that Saul was strong and tall was seen as, a, as very important to the people he ruled. They had been getting kicked around by the Amalekites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and others. And the people needed somebody who was physically tough to help them defeat their physical enemies. Of course, outward appearance mattered for that. In the ancient world of hand-to-hand combat, hand-to-hand combat, they much preferred a guy built like a tank than one that looked like a rickshaw. The Lord knew that the bigger king was not better, though. So he sent Samuel to a small town to anoint a smaller king. Jesse's seven presumably older and bigger sons passed before Samuel. But the prophet knew that these were not the ones that the Lord was calling. It was David. David, the young shepherd boy in the field whom the Lord would choose to be the next king. God's chosen people. In this small, out-of-the-way place, the smallest and youngest son was chosen for this great position and responsibility. Through David, God would one day do marvelous things, delivering and defending the people in miraculous ways through his hand. While the world would not have chosen David to lead, God did. The Lord looked on his heart to see a powerful faith that the world could not comprehend from the outside. But the Lord did powerful things through that powerful faith. Outward appearances can be significant, but they can also distract us from what really matters and where God is really found. The people thought that Saul had been naturally appointed to be king just because he was a big guy that few would take on in a fight. His outward appearance was deceiving, though, because he was the wrong choice for a king. The Lord looked at his heart and saw that it was weak. David, by contrast, was found among the sheep and the goats with an outward appearance that must have been lowly and small. God looked at his heart and saw great faith through which which the Lord would do great things. Things were not as as they appeared to the world at large. And and at, at least as the Bible tells us, this was precisely the point. God does indeed do great things in small ways, through feeble people in unexpected ways. And the world is better for it. 
May God bless the smallness in us this week and use it for good in ways that will surprise both us and everyone around us. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.